Welcome to the Crossing Church Podcast. This week, our lead pastor, Greg Dumas, continues our series, Hindsight 2020, with the message titled, How to Receive a Miracle. We hope you enjoy this weekend's message. Hello. God bless you. Come on, can we welcome our campuses? Say hi to South Shore, Pastor Hector. Say hi to Plant City. Pastor Michael, what's going on? God bless you. We are delighted to be together, together. We've, things are a little messy in our nation right now, aren't they? They're a little messy. And so I found a prayer by Abraham Lincoln, 1863. Uh, we're in a civil war, if you remember. And uh, we may be in a civil war right now. Things are crazy in our nation. There were riots and there was division in Congress. It kind of sounds just like today. So here's the prayer, and, and so it's old English, and it's got a little, some vowels and thighs and so on, but it just, I want you to just listen to the heart of this prayer. Almighty God, who has given us this good land for our heritage, we humbly beseech thee that we may always prove ourselves a people mindful of thy favor and glad to do thy will. Bless our land with honorable ministry, sound learning, and pure manners. Do we need that or what? Save us from violence, discord, and confusion, from the pride and the arrogance, and from every evil way. Defend our liberties and fashion into one united people the the multiples brought hither out of many kindred and tongues. Endow with thy spirit of wisdom. Listen to this. Endow with thy spirit of wisdom of wisdom, those whom in thy name we entrust the authority of government, that there may be justice and peace at home, and that through obedience to thy law, we may show forth thy praise among the nations of the earth. In time of prosperity, fill our hearts with thankfulness, and in the day of trouble, suffer not our trust in thee to fail, all of which we ask through our Lord and Savior, Jesus, who is the Christ. For it's in his name we pray and all God's people said. Amen Amen and amen. Abraham had it going on. Uh, Things are uh, a little upside down right now. um, And and so it it could cause us pressure. Things are a little bit messed up. Just, Just a little bit. It's tiny, wee bit. A little bit messed up. But I want, you to, I want you to know that as we've been praying and asking the Lord, we keep hearing that verse in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 30, where God says to David, it, they've been raided, and he keeps saying to David, listen, I want you to pursue, overtake, and recover all. Pursue, overtake, and recover all. You can clap for that if you want to. Come on, in Jesus' name. So here's, here's the message today. Um, and it's how to receive a miracle. How to receive a miracle. Uh, hindsight is 2020. We, wanna, we, we would like to get 2020. Everybody with me, we want to get 2020 behind us. Amen. You with me? Just like, let's close the door on 2020. There's another aspect, though, where hindsight's 2020, where God was doing some things in 2020 that we need to realize in 21. I was prepping a message for Christmas, and God kept saying to me, um, the, and it was about Mary, and we're going to get to that next week. I, 
I, uh, I had so much to teach, and this happens to preachers. I was gone for so long, when I come back, I've got 42 messages to preach. So I'm going to skip. I'm just doing one today. We'll do the other 40, you know, as we go. And, and so I was prepping the message and asking the Lord, and I was, it was talking about the, the king coming, but the Lord kept saying the message is how to host a miracle, how to host a miracle, and we'll look at that passage next week. Um, today is the first part of how to host a miracle. Today is. And here's the reason why. Uh, hindsight's 2020. I didn't know at the time while I was prepping that I was going to get sick that week. I couldn't preach that message and that I wouldn't end up today preaching this message. But God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He, he's the same. And, and so here's, here's what I want you to know. Listen, in the middle of this mess, our God is still manifesting his miracles. In the middle of this mess, listen, in the middle of whatever your struggle is in your marriage or your home or whatever's happening, whatever's happening at work or the lack of work or the resources or the trauma or whatever it is, in the middle of the mess, God's miraculous power is still available for you and me and God wants to come up out of us. Um, illustration today with an avocado plant. Hey. Hey, some of you love them, some of you are like, eh. <laughs> what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about four natural things that are required to host well the miracle, to host it well. And then I'm going to transfer that to four spiritual things or four supernatural things to host a miracle. And they mirror each other because the Bible speaks a lot about agriculture and then it applies to the heart. So today, I'm just going to talk about one of the four. I'm going to talk about the seed. Let me give you the overview in the natural. We'll start like this, okay? This is just a, an avocado seed. Nothing special about it, right? No. no. Sorry, I set you up. I was a bad teacher. This is a miracle. This is a miracle. This seed is a miracle. I'll tell you why. We can graft the seed, we can split the seed, we can alter the seed, we can even clone, exactly clone the seed, but we could never create the seed. There's only one who is the creator, and he's the one who knows how to infuse or breathe, the Bible says, he spoke and he created life. And so there's life in the seed. There's life in the seed. He knows how to do it, and he's the only one who knows how to do it. Look at Genesis 1, 11. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds, and it was so. And the Bible goes on to say, and God saw that it was good, and it was the end of the third day. So light and then vegetation and plants and food for us to eat. Now, scientists can clone this seed identically in every way. They can clone it. But when you take the, this seed and you take the one that's been cloned, you place them in good soil, give them the same water, give them the same light. One rots, the other one sprouts. So if you ask a biologist, where did this come from? You know, it came from here, from here, from here, from here, from here, from here, from here. And, a, and, and at the end of that from here, you finally get somewhere. It's called contingency. 
God is the only non-contingent being in the universe. That means God is. God is. And God was. And God is to come. So the scientist ends in his faith believing what he believes. And we end in our faith believing what we believe. Science and the Bible are not pitted against one another. Science is complementary to the Bible. We just have to get to a place of faith because we don't, you know, where did this come from? Wow, what a conundrum. It's simple, but pretty complex. Blades of grass. The sun, the moon, the stars, the solar system. The breath in our lungs. Come on. You are either some sort of, you know, biological one-celled organism that over billions and billions of years. That's the magic sprinkle, right? We crawled out of the primordial soup. Right? Or God created man. So you've got the seed, number one. Numero uno, it is the most important thing. That's why I want to camp on it today a little bit. It's the seed. But then you've got the soil. And you have to have minerals in the soil. It's got to be rich, and it depends on where you are. And, and the, the soil really makes a difference in how the seed grows and how well it grows and so on. It's the host. And we're going to talk about more of that next week. And then you have to have some water. It's the universal solvent. Water comes and actually breaks down the seed and all of this is so relevant I have a hard time not preaching every little aspect of it because the water breaks this down so that it opens up and expresses the life that's already in it there's life already in this seed then uh, there is sunlight and there's warmth and so that little bud starts to push up and, and it's moving towards the warmth and then it pops out of the ground and remember that thing called photosynthesis. Remember? The xylem and the phloem and the chloroplast and the, right, remember? Some of you are like, mm-mm, I was asleep in that. I was asleep in my biology class. Do you remember fifth grade or seventh grade for some of you when you took that bean home and you put it in a little jar? You remember that? Check, check it out. It's a miracle. <laughs> you guys, it's a miracle. Listen, this is a miracle. This is a bona fide miracle. So you've got the four components, and now those components are equal in the spirit. Those are natural components. The seed is represented as the word of God. Amen. It's the seed that God sent. It's the seed. The soil is the condition of our hearts, the Bible says. The water can be likened to the presence of the Holy Spirit and the activation and what the Spirit does to break down the outer portion to release the life that is in us. And then the experience with the person of Jesus is our interaction with the one who is light that we might grow in his grace. That we might grow in his grace. I'm going to repeat that next week when we come together. Let's talk about the seed. Let's talk about the seed together. I, I want you to know that I'm not just making these things up. i got scripture to back up each one of these parallels from agriculture to the heart, to the Bible. Seed is the word of God. In Genesis 1-3, let me start in 1-1, it says that the face of God was hovering over 
the expanse, the nothing. The Bible says there was nothing. There was nothing. So again, scientifically, we would say, where did we come from? Who are we and why am I here? Three important questions. Who are we? Where did we come from and why are we here? And so we can answer that question somehow in a secular fashion. And if we do, we minimize our um, existence with one another about you know, how much money we have and what our clothes look like and who has more advancement. However, the other way, if you believe in God, what God said is that he spoke, he spoke and there was light. He spoke, that's 1-3, Genesis 1-3. God ex nihilo. Some people ask me, People that come to the congregation, if you're brand new, you've, I mean, if you've been here a while, you've heard this many times. People say to me, and they do a lot. They say, do you believe in the Big Bang? I say, absolutely. God spoke and bang. <laughs> <clears throat> um, it, it came into being. So God spoke his word, which is the seed. Romans 10 says that God sent his word. Romans 10 He sent his word, which is the seed. So who is God's seed who came in flesh? It's really, everybody answered that question. That was like preschool, right? Or we go to children's church and the answer is like, when you pick your kids up, how was it? Jesus, you know, Jesus. Did you have fun? Jesus. Did you get candy? Jesus. The answer is Jesus. Jesus. And so what Romans 10 says is that the Israelites were looking, the word was spoken, then it was recorded. It was recorded. Thank God for the record of the scripture. Thank God for the record of the scripture. And this was no casual recording. The priest would write down, they would write sentences until they came to the term Yahweh, the covenant name of God in the Old Testament, they would take off their clothing, they would wash themselves, they would burn the clothes, put on a new pair of clothing, and go back to the scripture until they found his name again and do the same thing. This was no happenstance. This is, no, this is genealogy, record to record, hand to hand, mouth to mouth, the recording of the scripture. And what God says is that he sent his son, but the Hebrews, the Israelites, the people, they were zealous. They they wanted religion. Listen, religion, you're going to be surprised to hear me say this. Religion kills. Religion kills. Religion means I'm going to try to live by the law. I'm going to try to be a good person. And I'm going to try to get the comb over on the right side of my head. It's on the left right now, y'all. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm going to dress right, talk right, and walk right, but I don't know Jesus. Religion kills, but relationship gives life. Relationship gives life to the life that is in you. It's Jesus. And so if we're looking for some form of religion, we're not going to find him and we're going to trip up and we're going to leave here and we're going to say, I'm not good enough. And, uh, you know, I did this wrong thing. And you know, you, know that, you know that you're forgiven in Jesus on the cross. That you're forgiven. It doesn't mean that you're forgiven to sin. You're forgiven not to sin. If you throw a rock and break a window, 
God says, all right, you broke the window. And then, so we leave and we're afraid because we broke the window. God says, I'm giving you the grace and the power so that next time when you're tempted, you don't break the window. <laughs> doesn't mean that we live saying, God, forgive me. Right? It's not that. Grace isn't license. And so there's a righteousness that is sought after by the law, by religion. But it kills. It actually kills us. You know, you can go to church. I'm so glad that you're at church. You can go to church for 50 years. And uh, in that one moment, whenever God says that your time is up, you stand before Jesus and you look him in the face and he says to the father, I'm not, I don't know him. But the Bible says that believers, because they know him, they love him and they gather because they know him. So in any moment in time, we confess Jesus as Lord and the seed of God, the spoken word, becomes a manifest word placed in us. The old seed of enmity, the seed of man exists in every person and the seed of man's got to be taken out and the seed of God placed in. That's salvation. So here's what the Bible says in Romans 10, 8. But what does it say? There's a righteousness that comes by the law and so he's... Uh, this is a little bit of a word, juxtaposing that. He's saying, that's over there, this is over here. Verse eight. But what does it say? The word, can you see the word on the screen? Say it with me. The word. word. Thank you for being so hearty in that expression of it. Word. The word, it's called rhema, R-H-E-M-A, is near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Come on, everybody say, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. You can say that today and it be hollow. Or you can say, Jesus is Lord and mean it and the seed goes. Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from yourself. Saved from, so so can I summarize this? Saved from separation. Here and there. Saved. What, What the human condition needs the most is love. Come on. Love. The presence of a loving Father, love, nearness, closeness, encouragement, love. We need to know who we are. We need daddy to wrap his arms around us and for us to anchor ourselves in the scripture, the spoken word, the written word. This word rhema means that God speaks to you specifically today in the hour or the moment for what you need. It's not tomorrow. It's not a general word. It's not some big God. It means that the, the word of God jumps up from the page. It lives for the moment that you need it in and God sinks it into your spirit. The word is near you. It's in your mouth. For it is with your 
part that you believe in, you're justified. The gavel comes down. And if the gavel comes down, we always think, well, the gavel has come down. I've been caught. That's what, that's what religion is like. I'm going to try to be right, try to be right, try to be right. And then I'm going to get caught. I'm going to get caught. How many of you live? Don't raise your hands for this one. How many of you live just like uh, lucky seven? <laughs> lucky seven. Ooh, lucky seven. The other shoe's going to fall. I know it. I know it. I know it. I know. You don't have to do that. You win the whole board in Jesus. Like you win the whole board. You won. You win. You win the whole, you win the whole lot, the lottery. You win it all. We confess with our mouth. We believe in our heart. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him would never be put to shame. That's a pretty good thing. For there's no difference between the Jew and the Gentile. The same Lord is Lord over all who richly blesses everyone who calls on his name. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Will be saved. Look at James 1.19 with me quickly. It says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth. How many of you... How many of you want to get rid of, how do I, how do I ask this question? Because it affects, it affects all of us. Because I'm going to raise my hand too. How many of you would like to get rid of anger? Just, I mean, like every hand. If the person next to you is Jesus, their hand's not up. <laughs> right, especially, especially for us men, anger. The verse that precedes this verse says that the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The solution, listen, the solution in 21 is what God says. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth. Start by getting rid of whatever is immoral. Because whatever is immoral pulls your strength out of you. Let me say that again. Whatever we're viewing that's immoral demoralizes us pulls our strength from us, now the enemy has an advantage over me. And I'm not able to let the seed of God, which is the word of God, flourish in me. I'm blocking it. Get rid of the moral filth and get rid of the evil. And that, that word means so many things. It's, it's a, a wide range of things. And that comes from immorality leads to a bunch of other things. Are you with me? Okay. That is so prevalent and humbly, we want to humble ourselves, receive the word, the word of God planted, you see it on the screen? Planted in you, which saves you. Amen. In some version it says to save your soul. And then the, the, the scripture that explains what I'm talking about today is Luke chapter 8. The whole thing. It's the parable of the sower. Where a man to go, he goes and sows seed, and it falls on several kinds of ground. Okay? And that represents the soil. Then there are birds that come and steal the seed. And then there's one kind of soil that when it falls, the bird doesn't grab it, it falls in the right seed, and it becomes a flourishing plant. The parable of the sower. And so I, I want to make this point, and then I want to move into closing us, okay? Here we go. Watch this. Satan does not want to deal with you when you look like this. Satan wants to steal God's word when it looks like this. 
And he will come to steal any messenger, any music that you listen to, anything. Be listening for the seed and take it for yourself. Don't let him steal it from you. Because if he can steal it, then it can't take root. It can't be nurtured. It cannot grow. And it cannot produce fruit. It cannot produce fruit. Some years ago, we went to our 10-year class reunion. And I do say some years ago. And I was going, uh, uh, whenever you go to preach the gospel or live your life for Jesus, the enemy is going to get in front of you. And I say this today, I haven't talked about things like this in a while. Well, I haven't talked in a while, so. <laughs> but I feel like while I was writing my, my, my message, the Lord is saying, the enemy is messing with my people. I mean, he's messing with you. So I had some encounters in seminary that were pretty, pretty, um, above normal, if you will, encounters with the enemy. And we were in Oklahoma and we had rented a big place for our class reunion. We had big class we graduated in. And my wife, several months before, was in the word of God. And and I'm telling you, I got to pause because I could start preaching about my wife right now. She she is, uh, mm mm-hmm, she, mm mm-hmm, yep. That's what I'm talking about. I'm gonna get some water because I'm serious. She's in the word. My wife is in the word. She's, I got to stop. She, she, she was in the word and the Lord spoke to her. In Hebrews chapter 10, 25, it says, let us not forsake meeting together. And, and I'm so glad that we're starting to meet. Are you glad that we're meeting together again? Come on. Are you glad? It's a good thing. We, we encourage you. Come on, let's start meeting together. I know you can be safe. You can wear a mask. We can you know, distance all those things. You just, come on, let's start meeting together. That's me. So she read the scripture, she called the lady who was putting together the reunion, and the lady said, well, absolutely, we'll give you an opportunity uh, to teach the gospel. The function was on Saturday, and she let me teach on Sunday. And so she put it on the front page of the invitation to almost a thousand people in the graduating class, and um, we went to check the place out on Saturday. We were driving home to get ready for me to teach the next day, and, it's, and listen, I'm new, I'm two years, I'm two and a half years or so into learning and being, you know, um, at seminary. And it is ironic that I was the one that was going to bring the message to the people that I hung out with in high school. Amen. <laughs> Lord Jesus. Ironic, completely Ironic. We're driving home and we're talking about the thing and I had a figure. I don't, and, and, and listen, it, was just, it just was what it was. It was a figure. It came, it came at me. I could see it. It came right through the windshield and it wrapped itself around me. And it paralyzed me. It just, it took my breath away. I didn't even say anything to Tamara. I just looked over to her. My eyes were, you know, wide and I was white as a ghost. I think it was a, it was a ghost. I had a ghost on me. So you're like, ooh, I'm leaving now. <laughs> you're going to encounter things that you've not seen before when you go to do the gospel. You're, go- you're going to. Okay. And my beautiful wife, she at first was like, ooh, right? She, was, she had the same, I, I was fear, she was fear. And then it kicked in and she started speaking the word of God. The seed 
that was in her sprouted right in that moment. She started claiming the word of God and preaching, you know, and praying for me and declaring that it would release. And it, it, it released. I, I could see it with my eyes, but I couldn't see it with my eyes. You understand what I'm saying? It went whoop. It just let go. Paused there for a second and then went right out the window. Okay. Yeah, it was a good day in my life. I was like, thank you very much. The next day, the place was packed. I preached the gospel. I was scared to death. I was scared to death. I'm preaching to my classmates. This is tough, Michael Pippen. (laughs) I was preaching to my classmates that I used to mess around, doing the same thing everybody else was doing. I was preaching the gospel. And so it was a little bit fearful, but the Spirit of God came into the room that day And three people trusted Christ, and one of Tamara and I's very best friend gave his life to Jesus that day. So the seed went forward. In the parable of the sower, Satan would like to come and grab the seed before it ever gets to you. The seed is sown. The condition of the heart, we're going to talk next week about that. We're going to put this whole thing together. We're talking about Mary and how to receive the rest of the miracle. I had to pause to talk about the seed. So a couple of things, if you're taking notes, a couple of things to leave with here, okay? Here we go. There's life in this seed already. There's already life in this seed. This seed, I could take this seed and I could throw it in the trash and the life that's in it will never come out of it. Or I could take the seed and I can plant it. The seed's already sent. I have it. The seed is already spoken. I have it. The seed is already written. I have it. The seed is already here. And it has life in it. The Bible says that it's living and active. God says that his word is spirit, spirit, and life. The spirit of God breathed. On human agents, he breathed, and they wrote the scripture. This is a living document. There's life in the seed, church. If we will just host it right, number two, it's automated. It already knows what to do. What a miracle! If you plant this seed and you give it some water, you, 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 have it, you, you give it the right water and you give it the right sunlight, it goes from seed to tree, to fruit bearing, to multiplying. And so is the word of God. It's automated. Listen, this word is pre-programmed so that if I ingest it and plant it in my life, it automatically does what it says it's going to do. Isaiah 55, 10, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so it yields a seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my, say it with me, so is my, that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty and I will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. That's why we're fasting and praying. That's why you have to have, if you don't do anything with the seed, you can never get the seed to be broken down by the power of the Holy Ghost. And you can never interact with the light that causes that metabolic exchange between you and Jesus and you really start to grow. If you never do anything with the seed, if this Bible stays closed, the seed of life never expresses itself in you. 
It doesn't have a place. The only thing we need to do, and I'm, I'm preaching some of my message next week now. The only thing we need to do to receive a miracle is to host the word of God the right way. And lastly, it has massive potential. Massive potential. Uh, John 14, 12, Jesus said, even greater works than I do, you're going to do. Can you believe that? Even greater works than I do, you're going to do. And think about the ability. Jesus preached in you know, one little section of the world. If you're 12, you could take your phone out and do a message, and it could, somebody could respond to you in China in two seconds. Oh my goodness. From a single seed to a bearing tree that has fruit and the fruit produces more seed that produces more plants that produces more fruit that produces more seed that produces more plants that produces more fruit that produces more seed. Who knows how God might multiply your life? Who knows? When you receive the word of God, when you receive the word of God, listen, when, when, when the word of God, when you receive the word of God inside of you and it takes root in you, when God does something in you, everybody say in me, when God does something in you, there's no math to calculate what God could multiply from you. Amen. There's no math. There really is no math. Talked to a young man after service. He plays drums. This beautiful young man. He said, I, I taught last night. And, and uh, he said, hey, pastor, I want to say hi. I haven't seen you in a long time. COVID brought him here. He was away. COVID happened. He came here. His folks are faithful here at the church. And he said, I'm kind of what you talked about in your sermon. He said, you talked to me when I was 16. And you came, put your arm around me. And you told me that God was going to use my life. And and uh, he goes, it was a little weird to me at the time. I'm like, I'm a weirdo, <laughs> but I'm weird for Jesus. Amen. And uh, he said, that has happened in my life. And now I'm 27 and I go all around the world to minister the gospel. Amen. He's a musician. Hallelujah. So I want to end with this. I want to end with this because some of you are suffering. You're hurting. I want to talk just briefly. I'll give you this story, and then I'm going to give you the, the opportunity to invite Christ to Savior. L let me set it up like this. I asked the Lord, this little tree I got uh, 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 a week ago, so eight, nine days ago, because I was going to use this tree as uh, uh, an example a week ago. When I bought the tree, I took it to my garage, and I, I forgot about it. I put it in my garage and, and it was in there for five or six days um, and, and no water and no light. That's not good for a sapling tree, right? That's no bueno. <laughs> and then I remembered, oh yeah, it's, you know, that's this weekend. So I took it and I put it outside. <clears throat> and when the Lord asked me to change my message last week, if you weren't here, God asked me, I was prepared. He said, don't do that. I want you to do something new. And I had to scramble a few hours before I had to teach. And uh, that happens sometimes. And I was musing, I was talking to the Lord and I was musing and I was thinking about um, all that I had prepared and I got a picture. And the picture was of Aaron, Moses' brother. Aaron had a rod. Do you remember the Old Testament? They used, they had rods. Aaron had a rod, Moses had a rod. If you know the scripture, it was Aaron's rod in Moses' hand that did the miracles. 
And I had a picture of Aaron's rod and it bloomed. It, it budded. It bloomed. And I was musing with the Lord and I said something. I, I, said, I said like this. I said, God, if that little tree blooms, if it buds, before I preach next week, I know I've heard from you. Have you ever done that with the Lord? Sometimes, I, sometimes, sometimes God does those things and sometimes it's like, whoa, you ate too much pizza, bro. You just, just <laughs> stop it. And so when I bought the plant, it had two little buds, two little, not buds, bubbles. It was a little bubble here and it was a little bubble here. And when I brought the tree in yesterday, I just, I was talking to my wife, brought the tree in, I set it down and the Lord said, look at the tree. And I go, uh-huh. He said, no, look at the tree. I go, mm-hmm, I'm a little slow. <laughs> he said, look at the tree. And a seven inch bloom had bloomed in three days in the cold weather out of that little bud that was right there. It was a little knob that was there. And God said, tell my people that it's a promise of the seed of salvation in them if they'll receive me. Tell them. Just fun. It's fun to follow Jesus. Some of you are hurting and I want to close like this. Tree that survived 9-11. One can only imagine the grim job 9-11 workers had at ground zero, working day in and day out to clean up the wreckage of such devastation. And one can only imagine the surprise they must have felt when a month into the job they discovered a bit of life sticking out from the rubble. Come on. God brings miracles out of messes. The charred remains of a calorie pear tree with little more than a few leaves issuing from its single branch with snap roots and burned and broken boughs. That means the parts of it that stick out. This perseverant tree was sent to Van Cortlet Park for convalescence. That means care. Out of the New York City Department of Parks and Recreation, park workers said they weren't sure that the tree would make it. But the little tree that could did make it. Some of you are uh, struggling. In the spring of 2002, she sprouted a riot. I love this. That language, sprouted a riot of leaves. And a dove made her nest in the boughs. After nine years of rehab in the Bronx, is, and that doesn't, I believe this is prophetic because I don't, rehab and Bronx don't go together. <laughs> I believe God's speaking to somebody in New York. I, I really do. Here, you're either here from there or you're there right now. And of course, this word is for every person who is struggling. You feel like you're in the mess and you don't know if you're going to make it. I'm telling you what, what, what you need is to see. What you need is some good soil, the Holy Spirit working in your life, interaction with Jesus, and, and you see life come out of you. A little survivor tree went home, planted at 9-11 Memorial Museum, and it thrives among a solemn place that's filled with both memories and life. She's scarred but robust, and she offers her branches to the birds and the passerby. She remains a potent reminder of resilience in the face of destruction. I want you to, I want you to see this tree that survived. Come on. Come on, church. Come on, in the name of Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me today? 
How many of you are ready, just, just by show of hands, across all campuses, how many of you are ready, just as a sign, we do these as signs because they're expressions of faith. How many by, by raising your hand would say, I'm ready to receive? Just lift your hand up. It's a general ask. I'm ready to receive from God the next thing he wants to do in my life. Slip your hand up all around the house. I just want to pray for you briefly. All around the house, South Shore, Plant City, Father in Jesus' name, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the seed. Do in us what you will, Holy Spirit. Break us open, water us, grow us up. Let us produce fruit. You can lower your hands. Now with heads bowed and eyes closed, would you, would you make a confession now of what the scripture says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, every voice say, Lord Jesus, today's the day I give you my life. I know that I've sinned, but I'm coming to you. I'm asking you to plant your seed in me. I want it to grow. I want to flourish. I want to multiply in your grace. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this week's message with our lead pastor, Greg Dumas. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash crossingchurch. And you can download our app on both iPhone and Android by searching for Crossing Church, Tampa, Florida. Thanks for listening, and we can't wait to worship with you next weekend.